Hi, Victoria. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm just driving home from work. How are you? Hi, Koi. Welcome back. <laughs> thank you for coming. Hi, Katarina. Great to see you again. Hi. I will uh, put up the link for the um, uh, with the folder with the presentation and the movies in there. And um, so everyone um, today, yeah, I'm putting up a folder link. So there are oh, different okay. files in there. And thank you so uh, uh, showing the uh, drive. Yeah, thank you so much. Yes, thank you for putting everything there. Yeah. We will start in around um, nine minutes, so you, we have a few minutes in case. Okay. Okay. So everything seems to work. We can hear each other well. The link seems to work. Um, so perfect. We're yeah, off yeah. to a good start. <laughs> How 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 was your morning? Is everything good? Uh, yes. Uh, now I, uh, in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, I spent seven months here. Uh, I I got used to the life here. Yes. And today, sunny day and. Uh, now the temperature is 27 uh, degrees Celsius and will be around 30. So, oh, so. wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy it. <laughs> you have endless yeah. summer right now. Come on. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, people here recognize uh, winter and visiting shopping mall, uh, we can find many advertisement uh, showing a winter sale, um, special discount for winter sale. <laughs> but I have no idea uh, what uh, that exactly means, the winter. But the weather is all, always tropical. So do, the, so do people travel maybe then to winter places or is it just... Is the is the um, mall really cold? Because I heard that in some quite rich places in Brazil and other places, they put the mall uh, temperature very cold, so you can wear your winter clothes uh, or your sweater. Some people, yeah, some people may visit to uh, uh, cold, uh, cold country like Japan. Many people travel to Japan. Uh, can you hear my voice clearly? Yes, very yes. good. Yeah. Okay, because here uh, sometimes internet connection uh, became very bad, and now already showing uh, internet connection is poor. The Clubhouse app showing me, but uh, it can't help. So if you can't hear me uh, well, uh, please uh, let me know. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, for now it's fine. I have that sometimes too, but it's still okay. So okay. uh, for, now, for now it's good. We'll let you know, but thank you for letting us know. And, and please also meet Katie and Dr. Heidi. Hi, welcome. Uh, thanks for coming. Uh, we will start in around seven minutes. Thank you. I'm driving. I have the red bar too, so I don't. I I don't know if people can hear me either. I know how you feel. Yeah, we can hear you too, Victoria. It's it's um it's working. So thanks for being here. <laughs> yeah, Katie, she's in Australia, so for her it's uh. Is it already warm? Is it summer, Katie, for you? Yes, it's getting warm. It's lovely. At one time, I want to spend uh, Christmas in Australia. It must be so nice. I heard it's like barbecue at the beach and and it's a long break. So it sounds amazing. Yeah, exactly. And my parents live right by the beach and the river. So we usually go and have like a picnic barbecue down there. So <laughs> not like the cold Christmas that a lot of the world is used to. Yeah, that sounds lovely. So... <laughs> One day I'll be there. I always feel like reluctant because it's such a long flight. Uh, but yeah, one day I'll make it. <laughs> when the kids are less wiggly. Yeah, I think they would be fine actually by now. Like they would be fine. Um and a good friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, he lives in Australia, in Melbourne. Um, and he's staying because he married and has kids now and everything. And I have to visit one day, so. So we will start in around three minutes. Um, welcome everyone and um, feel free to share the room in the meantime to check out all the resources that are in the folder. Um, there are um, several files in there that we will um, use uh, during the talk today. So, um, and I'm sharing right now in the chat the link to the paper. <coughs> in case you haven't seen it and um yeah this is a really uh, interesting and amazing research here today presented by our guest speaker dr kuhi um, mitsunu and um yeah feel free to share and we will start soon oh serena is also here yay the whole crew is here, huh? Hi, Serena. Hello. Hello, everyone. You made it. 
I did. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. And it's around the holidays. <laughs> yeah, busy, busy day, but I can't wait to hear the, the talk. Has anyone pinged Dr. Shaw? I'm driving, so I'm not pinging. Oh, let me do that. Oh, thank you. I pinged few people. Oh, yeah, I did. I pinged her. Nope. Might be late yeah, for Dr. Shaw. it's late. Shaw. I know I people know. have other lives. <laughs> but but some, <laughs> yeah, I, sometimes I forget, too. So. Yeah, she... Um, she always tries to come whenever she can. Yeah, I like to be all together too. So I can't resist. And she has always very interesting questions. So it's always great having her. That would be a great end of year show. The most, um, some, well, not the most, excuse me, interesting questions that people have asked our guests that stick in our minds because she always comes up with really amazing questions just slides in and um, it just really has such an interesting angle on something that hasn't even been asked yet so just think yeah I agree um, yeah there, there are different highlights we could we could bring up um, that would be really nice. I think it would be a nice thing to do. We we should really organize that to have like this end of the year summary come together thing. So yeah, um, just jumping to say good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Any. Um, where in the world because it's afternoon here and um, I want to thank you again Katerina for the beautiful um, insights and uh, suggesting that you have a highlights with uh, of all the lovely rooms you've been actually doing lately with Victoria and Katie and Serena because um, I love actually the content you offer here in Clubhouse so I wonder are you connecting um, in LinkedIn or any other platform or just in clubhouse because i always dream that you can form a great research of multidisciplinary sciencey approach with the nice way you communicate the science here in a very simple way i think it's a big call for all of you to have a research together what do you think <laughs> yeah i mean that that's uh, that's amazing thank you heidi first of all the very kind words to all of us and um yeah um yeah it's a great idea and we've been actually creating some research i know serena came up with you know ideas during discussions and she started the research project and i know a few other collaborations started here so um yeah thank you for suggesting and we can connect here or yeah on LinkedIn or um, different platforms. You, you can just direct message me and then then we can we can discuss there then. And yeah, it's nine o'clock.
so time goes by <laughs> so uh we we should start so welcome everyone to science society and of course a special welcome to you uh dr koi mitsunu it's such an honor having you here um and that you take the time to present your really interesting research here with us and before we start let me give the audience a short introduction um dr akui mitsunu got his degree and phd and uh, agriculture at kyushu university and his his main focus or field is applied microbiology and he started his career working on fungi and their amylases and then he uh, continued then uh, transitioning to bacteriology using lactic acid bacteria Staphylococcus, bacillus and many more and his current interest and activity are in environmental bacteria uh, distribution morphology polymer production interaction and um, he also has a passion for uh, research and discussion about origin of life artificial cell form life and theoretical works in biology uh, so yeah welcome and um, before we start usually victoria asks a couple of interview questions if that's okay with you Okay, Victoria, the stage is yours. Okay, thank you. I, I was waiting to hear a yes, because I'm, again, I'm driving, so I couldn't see if there was, if I missed anything, but okay, thank you so much. And Kuwait, we are, as Katarina said, we're so, so glad to welcome you to Science Society and hear your presentation today. I have to say, when I was looking over your paper, that it's, it's really a romantic beginning because it starts, oh, I'm sorry, is somebody trying to speak or is that um, background noise from me? We're good? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm reading that the bacterium was, was found on a cave wall, underwater, under a submerged river on Honshu. And it's just such a beautiful image. And so, you know, thank you for that, just for starters. And so, my question is, if you can consider back in your life and maybe childhood, where it was that you first developed an interest for science, if you can remember what was it that, that grabbed you and sparked that interest? Uh, thank you so much. Uh, first, uh, thank you for having me, uh, everyone, uh, the society. Katarina, thank you so much. And Victoria, uh, thank you for uh, asking me a wonderful question. Uh, so, uh, okay, no, so let me uh, answer to the question from Victoria. Uh, Victoria asking uh, the, how I uh, got interest in science and uh, biology in, for example, in childhood. Is this correct, my understanding? Yes, that's great. And please answer however you choose. Okay. Uh, okay. In my childhood, 
in 1970s and 1980s, uh, in my teens, uh, we found rapid advances of biotechnologies. For example, when the first in vitro fertilization was reported, the media were eager to discuss the advances and challenges of biotechnology, which influenced me. Uh, actually, my father uh, was uh, a medical doctor for women. So uh, in my house, uh, we discussed uh, such a, a science topic. And that influenced me so much. And uh, in 1970s, 80s, we had a, a nice uh, TV program for science. I, my favorite is uh, uh, Cosmos. It's uh, uh, the main uh, anchor was uh, Carl Sagan, the astronomer and professor at Cornell University. Uh, and my father recorded the this program and uh, I watched the video uh, many times. Such uh, uh, experience influenced me. And I liked reading. Uh, my favorite in my teens was Henri Bergson, a French philosopher. He published a book called Creative Evolution in 1907, which was later harshly criticized by supernatural and unscientific stance. Today it's called vitalism. However, I, as I understood some parts of his argument, he pointed out the limitations of a certain type of science at that time. A certain type of science treated natural phenomena linearly and assumed that everything was predicted, predictable. And he argued for the need for a new level of science. And later I came across a book uh, by, written by the American theoretical biologist uh, Stuart Kaufman. Uh, his theory, uh, as I understood it, uh, seemed to be an attempt to take a new stance on complex phenomena in biology. I became very interested in having the opportunity someday to reproduce such complex phenomena in my own uh, experiments. Thank you so much. It's so fascinating. We never know we never know what path people took to get to the point they're at. And I'm, I'm so, well, first of all, I think many of us love Cosmos and love Carl Sagan and the enthusiasm that he brought to scientific do you know, discussion. Do you know the program? Yes, very well. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's beloved to me and my family. Um, I read his books and, and watched Cosmos and watched it again and again <laughs> because yeah. it's not everywhere that you can, it, it, that watching that show is kind of like having him sitting across from you at the dinner table and in a conversational way talking about science with all his passion and all of the, the different directions that he would pull in to it. Yeah.
so I'm um, really grateful to him too as well and I'm I'm curious um, what how do you think that reading those those two the philosopher and the scientist that you mentioned how do you think those influenced I hear that it encouraged you to uh, it motivated you to work on complex ideas and what you're about to present tonight is absolutely um, so exciting and I would say groundbreaking for us um, but how do you, do you feel that they that that philosopher influenced you in in your methodology or your approach to your work yeah uh, I, I think the experiments in biology field was uh, quite different from what I thought before, like imagined before. So I did experiments. Uh, my career uh, was uh, uh, for focusing on uh, microorganism microbiology in industry. So quite different from what I. Uh, aims in at my uh, young age, but today, uh, if I had time, I I'd like to show uh, some perspectives uh, from philosoph philosophical aspects when I uh, did this uh, study. I care about well then let's get right into your talk and um, just excuse me a moment I would like to welcome welcome dr. Shah glad you're here with us tonight and and then um, pass you the mic back and and the um, way we are here if you have um, for people may be writing questions to you in the chat that we can share with you afterward and um, after your talk. And as well, um, so I'm sorry, something happened on my screen. The houses. Um, yeah, we're, we're here to facilitate a Q&A after you give your discussion. And, and so I will pass you the mic. And thank you so much for sharing what you've just shared with us. Thank you. So, uh, may I introduce the article? Yes, thank you so much. Okay. And for everyone, uh, the, the, the resources are in that uh, Google Drive folder, so please click on it and, and access them accordingly. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a super beginner of the Clubhouse app. I checked the internet and this Clubhouse is a, a voice-based uh, SNS, so People might uh, listen to it without watching uh, any materials. So I try to explain orally, but uh, I'm not sure uh, I can do well. Okay. May I interrupt you for one moment? Even though it's it's um, audio, it's possible for people to click on on what you've shared and then look at that and still listen along at the same time and some listeners are listening on two devices as well so they might 
you know, copy paste on a different browser. So please just share in whatever way um, feels most natural for you. Thank you. Okay, okay thank you. So, uh, so that's that. Uh, I'm a, uh, thank you for uh, introducing me. Uh, I'm a microbiologist. Today I talk about a new bacterial species I discovered in a Japanese uh, limestone cave in 2008. So uh, if you can access the, uh, please show, uh, please uh, access the article or material I shared. Uh, certain bacteria are known to exhibit uh, multicellularity. Multicellularity is a fundamental principle that led to larger size and higher functionality in life on us, but the process is not well understood. 2.3 billion years ago, photosynthetic cyanobacteria emerged in global outbreaks to bring oxygen to the atmosphere in the oceans, sponges arose and are believed to be the origin of all animals, including human beings. But it's not known how certain unicellular organisms, single-celled organisms combined and how they fixed their multicellularity as an act in a population study uh, might provide us an example of how a single-celled organism can evolve and acquire multicellular traits and how a certain environment can involve the evolution. Uh, the summary is shown in the figure one uh, of the article and or in the material, the page three of the slide. Now, the cue for the discovery uh, was a beautiful, iridescent hue of the colony of this species on agar, as shown in the figure two in the article. You can find a rainbow-colored uh, colony. Agar contains nutrients for bacterial growth. Uh, microbiologists uh, spread samples on agar surface. Microorganisms grow and form a cell clump that we call colony. Normally, a bacterial colony on agar doesn't appear transparent, but opaque, uh, turbid color between, uh, because of the random accumulation of the cells without any ordering. I shared some pictures of iridescent rainbow-colored colony in the slides, uh, in the slides, page five. And at that time, I felt uh, there was something in this rainbow colors, but I didn't know what caused this. So I had suffered uh, for uh, years. I didn't know uh, what 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 does uh, physiological means, but one day I tested a red fluorescent dye, targeting lipid membrane on the iridescent colony, and I got an image 
showing some geometric pattern. The first photograph capturing the pattern of this colony is shown in the slide, page 6. You can find red uh, geometric pattern on the black background. It's not shown in the article. Uh, you can see uh, only in the uh, shared slide. Uh, you see the triangular lattice-like pattern showed that cells in the colony elongated themselves to become filament in an ordered manner. In a moment, I felt I could almost understand why it's transparent, iridescent, and kept a thin layer, and why it can form a tiny, dark, uh, turbid clump in a mature colony after some period of time. Some kind of control must underlie this structural change, and the controlled individual cell elongation should contribute to the ordering of the whole colony. Then proliferation starts again in some way in the colony. Then we started two experiments that focused on how a pattern in a colony was formed and how the pattern crops them. The data of the article tried to show how the cells form a nematic liquid crystal-like pattern when the cell elongation is controlled uh, as shown in figure 3 in the article and how a cell clump proliferates inside a colony and is ejected from the colony, as shown in figure 4. We observed that after about five days, the short road cells became crowded inside the colony, and after that came out of the colony, breaking the colony's surface. You can find a series of pictures in figure 4 in the article showing the GFP the green uh, recombinant cells uh, crowded out of the colony layer. The crowding out starts and finishes in a half day. The colony looks stable for about five days and nothing happens. And then suddenly, this transformation happens. Usually, microbiologists would take this as contamination. Another species are mixed in the same culture. I took this for, so, for a while, but observing it uh, repeatedly uh, several times, I noticed that the timing of the colony uh, crops was a phenomenon that could be reproduced accurately if we give a well-controlled culture condition. For example, uh, we could say like this, today is Tuesday, so the crops will occur around uh, midnight of Saturday, like this. 
then I thought that it should be associated with some ecological context because the behavior looked so strange for bacterium growing in a plastic petri dish with a controlled condition in an incubator in a laboratory. This species attenuates the growth for a while and then suddenly starts growing again, which looked at generating a kind of pulse. The colony looked to behave in a pulsate manner. So then I tried to mimic a condition in the cave wall uh, that located near an underground river. The wall was just above the surface of the uh, river, about uh, 50 or 60 centimeters high. We knew that this cave, uh, including this wall, would be submerged uh, by rising water from uh, rainfall. So uh, we tried to submerge the colony in the water uh, in a laboratory, in my laboratory. Uh, the rod-shaped cells were ejected from the colony. And to my surprise, uh, those short rod cells spread very nicely uh, into the water. The result as shown in the picture and the video. Uh, in figure 4 and the uh, video. Uh, that bit betrayed my predictions because I thought that I had thought that the cells would be more adhesive and cramped together. Those data uh, suggested uh, that this species has a two-phase life cycle. In the first phase, the cells uh, self-organize to build up the foundation of the colony architecture that appears to stick to the wall surface and to pack the daughter cells inside. In the second phase, the colony sets aside its growing and expanding for a while, daughter cells proliferate inside, and the colony ejects uh, daughter cells uh, when encountered uh, on water floor, or the colony architecture collapses by uh, proliferating cells. I drew the illustration of the life cycle in the article, uh, <coughs> figure four, and the, uh, the same illustration is uh, shown in the material, uh, page nine. In the illustration, I use the term jam, G-E-R-M, which means that the filament cells look like uh, body cells, whereas the short rod cells proliferating inside looked uh, jump cells. 
to different functions with different architectures uh, appears to be appears to constitute a multifunctional body. This is uh, uh, my so far hypothesis. I need uh, more data to uh, show the life cycle. But this is the uh, uh, outline of the article. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for showing this beautiful um, presentation and um, your really interesting work with us. And um, yeah, I want to open up uh, the room for questions. So uh, please unmute. If you have questions, please share in the chat or raise your hand if you have questions. And um, yeah, and we'll go from there. So. Does anyone want to go right away or? Yes, I can ask my question. Okay. So cool. thank you so much. That was a very wonderful presentation and uh, really we need to go into by details. And my question from you, because we know the feature of the prokaryotes and we are aware of the uh, self-region expression and uh, also i was just wondering what type of cycle specifically uh, did did you find any specific cycle in in your finding that that was important to you for example uh, did you find uh, ubiquitous you... amino acid or any kind of sources that that was specifically through the transcription translation system that was interesting to you and you found it important uh, thank you, uh, thank you for Dr. Shah. Uh, what, what did you say? A specific what? Uh, sorry, I, I couldn't. Uh, Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous amino acid source that normally we are seeing in both prokaryotes and eukaryotes, and in some of the prokaryotes they have a different mechanism, especially when we are thinking about transcription translation system. And I was just wondering any specific cycle that you notice from your uh finding that it can be important as a source or for the for example engineering or enzyme engineering uh you mean you're asking the molecular mechanism uh that support this uh, kind of life cycle or behavior yes and uh, you know that we have the mm -hmm. we, we can use the mimicking system and we can use the engineering for the enzymes and i was just yeah. wondering about yeah. your opinion yeah uh, so far uh, in molecular aspect um, we uh, read the whole genome and uh, now it's open in database and we check several genes uh, that might be associated with uh, cell elongation because uh, we have a pretty uh, a lot of reports about the mechanism molecular mechanism about uh, cell elongation cell elongation is uh, tightly associated with cell division cell division system cell division system associated with uh, chromosome uh, replication so we have checked the 
uh, related genes about uh, elongation, cell elongation. Uh, but so far we have uh, we have no uh, special uh, finding, a new finding about the related genes about cell division and elongation. Uh, we have several uh, knowledge about um, a specific site uh, cause elongation. But uh, as far as we know, uh, in the molecular uh, level, uh, we have uh, we, are, we have not yet uh, identified uh, some uh, related genes, uh, enzymes uh, that uh, could explain uh, this phenomenon, uh, elongation and life cycle. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, not... I, I got my answer. So, yeah, uh, as you just mentioned that uh, sometimes it's very attractive for engineering because they are using the self-region expression and you just explain about that. So I'm passing the mic to the next person. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead, sorry, nothing. So yeah, very. I mean, very fascinating talk. And the 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 movies. I went through the movies and so um, just just a, a beautiful presentation. And when you're looking at so the streaks developed this you know rainbow character, um, but the in terms of the colonies going through the multiple stages, um, first the uh, the crowd out and then the ejection into the water. Um, and you noted that there's a specific timing to that. And it, were you able to identify, and I'm thinking about, you know, in this underground cave and it's sometimes submerged and sometimes it isn't. Were there, um, do you know, did you find specific triggering events from the environment that would induce these changes? Um, or is the timing somewhat related yeah. to that? Yeah. You, you're asking uh, the why we uh, why we study uh, in a cave and uh, uh, how we uh, noticed the such a well, well, well more so the organism adapting to that environment and is the timing of its life cycle stages related mm. to you know the in any environmental factors that would drive that. Uh, okay. I, I, I mean, I don't know if you've, if you found that, but it's kind of a curious question. Uh, how we, uh, we could distinguish, uh, this species behavior from others, because we have, uh, several, uh, examples that shows similar multiple, uh, behaviors, uh, like, uh, fungus or in, in prokaryote bacteria, we have some uh, examples that shows uh, multiple life cycle. Uh, so how we, how we uh, find and di distinguish from others, you asking me? I'm just um, curious about 
the specific adaptations of the of the species to that environment and um, whether you found any any particular coupling that would drive its life cycle there yeah uh honestly i it took long time for example <laughs> i i i isolated this species and uh, first i identified genetically uh, it's very quick and simple today and uh, this is new species uh, i knew uh, in 2008 uh, this is uh, taxonomically uh, genetically new species oh i can uh, i can publish one uh, in the taxonomical journal so i noticed uh, this species uh, in, in new in 2008 but after that i uh, found the elongation and the pattern formation uh, in i found this in 2017 so nine years uh, passed already passed uh, and so it's very hard for me to notice uh, this is something different because the normally microbiologists observe uh, cell shape by microscope uh, using uh, liquid culture cell. It's a simple when I when, when correct microorganisms and uh, culture in a test tube and then uh, observed by microscope. I observed this species by uh, optical normal microscope and uh, uh, electron microscope and all data showed me uh, this species the shape is a uh, lot of shape uh, normal short lot shape the first image uh, got into my mind uh, so firmly so this is short rod cells uh, how they uh, generate this pattern and iridescent colony so i hypothesized uh, in the beginning i that the cell excrete some kind of uh, materials that material might uh, cause uh, iridescent colony. So I tried to extract and purify uh, unknown uh, substances excreted from the species for five years uh, more, mm. but I couldn't uh, <laughs> extract anything. And one day, uh, almost accidentally, I observed uh, Directly uh, colony uh, on agar. I we don't uh, usually uh, observe like this. That uh, that's a uh, cue of discovery, and it took nine years. Yes, it's amazing. Such persistence, but it it really really produced a fascinating finding thank you so much yeah
Yeah, the... thank you so much. Um, so, so do you think it's necessary? Um, because you know, in the paper it was mentioned that the environmental conditions are quite important. Um, I think for this behavior organization to happen. So, you think that's that's the most important factor? You know that it was found in the stream of water or do you think this is also possible in other environments or just we didn't discover them yet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is uh, uh, related with uh, uh, perspective, how we see phenomena uh, with what kind of uh, perspective. Some people uh, pointed out in internet uh, uh, this article is interesting because focusing on the uh, ecological context. Uh, honestly, I didn't know uh, well uh, before uh, I published this, but uh, uh, during the uh, review of this article, manuscript to eLife uh, editor and reviewer pointed out uh, this aspect and I checked the uh, situation in evolutionary biology and uh, people uh, discussed about uh, what, it, what is what uh, uh, important uh, for, uh, for a certain evolution uh, evolution involves uh, endogenous and exogenous uh, selection process so then the one mystery is uh, what driving forces acted to achieve uh, this uh, evolution example multicellularity when uh, single-celled organism became multicellular uh, there is there is such a, a discussion uh, today I didn't know. Uh, uh, there are two uh, problems. Uh, first, uh, if some useful genetic mutation has occurred in multicellularity, how is this mutation fixed in the population of a single species? And uh, I came across a uh, survey uh, by Professor Black of the University Adelaide and uh, Professor Rainey of the Max Planck Institute. They uh, proposed a cell called ecological uh, scaffolding uh, hypothesis for this problem. They uh, published a uh, pretty big uh, uh, manuscript uh, article in 2020. In the same uh, year, I pu published, uh, posted uh, my preprint to the bioarchives. I noticed the theory, but I didn't understand it well, deeply. The ecological scaffolding hypothesis, uh, as I understood, points out uh, the difficult part of this problem. Scaffolding is a uh, temporal 
temporary support structure that should facilitate a certain evolution. Uh, for example, uh, just just like uh, after an animal crosses the surface of a frozen lake, uh, once spring arrives, the ice melts. There will be no evidence to prove the crossing on ice. Uh, as such, we tend to ignore such temporal support structure that might have once existed in, in a certain environmental context. The hypothesis is that we can explain the uh, drive toward multi by assuming such support by the environment. That's uh, uh, the point uh, I, I described uh, uh, some in my article, but I gradually uh, noticed um, this kind of discussion uh, ongoing uh, today. And uh, the second problem is uh, how can the process for uh, multicellularity be stabilized in the intermediate state before multicellularity is achieved without a reversion to a single cellular life in the beginning, very beginning stage of the evolution in the terms of the need for a mechanism to prevent uh, reversion. This is uh, another discussion. Um, I, I noticed uh, Professor uh, William Ratcliffe of Georgia Institute of Technology pointed out uh, this problem by proposing uh, the concept of ratcheting uh, to address this issue. And these salaries, I checked uh, before and after submitting my article, uh, I noticed and uh, understood uh, in my own way and uh, explained uh, as much as I could. And this is a background. Yeah, thank you. It, that's uh, that's really interesting, and it's it's a really interesting discussion. And do you think that a similar mechanism was responsible for multicellular organism origin in um, you know not in bacteria but in and and organisms with the nucleus? Or cells have a nucleus. Uh, you mean you you asking uh, there is another a similar uh, bacteria, right? No, no, I'm asking also if in non-bacteria, do you think that the origin, the first multicellular organisms, do you think they used a similar mechanism? To um, when it when multicellular organisms started, do you think it was also 
in this under the same environmental factors and in a similar manner first and then it continued uh, evolving of course i don't know but uh, i believe ecological context is uh, should be uh, taken uh, more uh, how should i say it's important uh, for the beginning of the emergence of uh, multicellularity on the Earth, uh, environmental support uh, might have uh, take a more important role than uh, we think now. I believe so. And uh, in a cave, uh, I don't know, uh, this is one uh, example in a specific uh, environmental condition. So how uh, we have no idea uh, how the first uh, mass cellularity uh, emerged uh, in what kind of environment, uh, we don't know. But uh, we, I believe we can uh, more, uh, we can think more freely uh, if we take uh, environmental uh, support, consider uh, environmental support into the emergence of a certain kind of evolution. In the case of not only in the case of multicellularity, but also in the case of uh, other uh, evolution. So, yeah, I wanna talk about uh, this. Uh, some uh, some people uh, argue that in internet uh, community like this, uh, this paper. Uh, about this paper, whether or not the strange uh, nature of this species can be regarded as multicellularity. People doubt uh, this species uh, should be regarded as multicellularity because, uh, as they say, uh, according to the current definition of multicellularity, uh, different cell types must be dependent in, on each other. So someone pointed out that by the current definition, HS3 is not, uh, this species is not multicellular. Uh, but I think uh, we can think more uh, freely about the uh, evolution of life uh, if we can consider environmental support and uh, this uh, study is not trying to define a new multicellular bacterium but it's a study on the uh, process of how living organism evolved from a single cellular to multicellular so i i want to talk about uh, whether uh, definition is a good approach 
uh, on the origin problems in biology field, uh, such as origin of multicellularity or origin of life. When we uh, try to define something, that means that we try to distinguish which uh, properties of a species meet the definition and which properties don't. Whether or not such distinctions work well depends on how much we know about the things we have uh, definitions about. For those things that we have sufficient knowledge about, we can expect that definition works well. For example, when we try to define a new species as a member of existing multicellular organisms that we have today, uh, which is easy because we know well enough about existing multicellular organisms, the definition-based approach works well. Uh, what about the case of things that our knowledge is fatally lacking? For those that our knowledge is lacking, a definition-based approach would not work well. We should consider if it works well for the origin of multicellularity or other origin problems in biology field. Uh, first, I think we should recognize that our knowledge of origins of multicellularity is fatally lacking. The emergence of multicellularity may be billions of years old, and we don't know uh, how old it is in the first place. Uh, we should be aware that it's very unreasonable to ascribe current properties to such a past process. Describing a multicellular organism by using the list of the property of the present organisms, which is termed taxonomy. But this work is not uh, taxonomy work, uh, but the uh, origin of multicellularity. Curious on a, a follow-up uh, on that point. Um, you mentioned that you weren't able to identify the signal, signaling molecules or, that were expressed that um, that could drive the organization of the spatial domains. And then it would be an interesting um, question if if you know those signaling molecules were identified if the um, if the spatial domains, uh, if the cells within the different spatial domains were, you know, then consequently secreting corresponding signals that, um, and it, what they weren't all uniform, but they differentiated across those domains for separate functions, that would seem to indicate that the colony is operating in, in at least a, you know, a coordinated uh, multicellular sense. And I could see your point about how it's uh, you know exemplary for for multicellular behavior um, you have any any thoughts on that or uh, you, are you are talking about uh, uh, timing of uh, transformation of the colony well do does the you know in the in the direction of uh, a multicellular organism yeah. Um, would it, 
would there, you know, in one stage that's driving the organization, the liquid crystal-like organization in these different spatial domains, do those yeah. spatial domains then take on different expression profiles that serve the function of the the overall life cycle of the car? You know, that would be in the direction, I would think, uh, toward the multicellular behavior. Uh, I have uh, no data about the uh, monastery uh, chemicals, uh, but there should be some uh, signals, chemical signals uh, excreted from uh, one colony and uh, influence uh, adjacent colony and uh, transformation happen uh, like a chain reaction we observed. And uh, some chemicals uh, regulate, should regulate uh, the cell formation. Uh, Elongation and uh, deep and uh, enter, let the cell enter uh, division for division phase. So, several different kind of chemical signals involve should involve in this multicellular uh, life form. Yes, this is. Uh, Another study we we need. I suppose it'd be an interesting experiment if, at, during the as the spatial domains form, if if samples were taken and and reseeded, were were those cells in different states? Or did we, you know, or do they reset and and reform the entire colony, or is there some some period of remodeling where yeah um, where that would occur? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, I see that Jake uh, joined us. Jake, did you want to ask a question? Sure. What what kind of uh, what kind of food does this cell take? Is it is it is it anaerobic, uh, or what's what is it what does it eat? Ah, uh, sorry. Uh, the internet is. Here, uh, internet uh, uh, poor. Uh, I can hear you well. Uh, please, once again, please. Sorry. What kind of food does it eat? Uh, food. Yeah. What does it eat? Is it is it anaerobic or what does it do? What does it do? The you. What is it? What's, does it have a mitochondria? Are you uh, <clears throat> you asking the the culture condition for this species? Yeah. Ah, culture condition is aerobic, uh, and uh, we we did uh, uh, a series of uh, taxonomical uh, experiments for this species, and we identified that this is uh, absolute aerobe. So, 
we can't uh, culture this species uh, in a uh, anaerobic condition. We observe. Yeah, is this okay? Yeah. What, what in the in the mine uh, that it was in? What was the environment like? Was it uh, was it highly mineralized? Uh, what, what was it like? Was it acidic? Uh, in a cave? In that cave? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, this is a limestone cave. So, uh, and uh, I isolated from dripping water on a cave wall. And uh, the water, uh, you know, uh, it's a calcite rock, so the water the pH of water is alkaline, about uh, around 8.5, and uh, this species like prefer alkaline to grow. Uh, they can't culture at uh, acidic side pH, and the uh, temperature is pretty low. The about inside the cave uh, around 15 uh, degrees Celsius. And uh, the optimal uh, temperature for this species is also uh, relatively uh, lower. The optimal is around 20 uh, Celsius. Uh, that is relatively lower uh, compared to the cross uh, relatives of this species. So, so it would be. It would be fair to say that this could be conditions that were similar to the beginning of life the three billion years ago then, correct? No, uh, this is a just a uh, specific condition for uh, this species. Oh, okay. May I chime in here? This is Michael. Okay, so the definition of life. High school students, read this. They're able to take in food as nutrients, and they're able to have waste products. But more importantly, with all the clubhouse I've been involved in, artificial intelligence. So life, being able to reproduce, have a free will. So my definition of life is not just taking in food, nutrients, and waste products. Now, the other one, interesting thing is animal, mineral, vegetable. Mineral, I'll take it out. They're non-organic. Animal, mineral, yes. Do plants have a decision-making capability? Well, I've been studying for the last six months quantum biology. So I, I don't want to take the time with the group here. But artificial life is the topic. Artificial intelligence is different because software could be fooled thinking that that thing could play chess. <laughs> okay, I don't want to I don't want to take this group into the clubhouse groups of artificial intelligence. But I do not think artificial life is on the horizon because I well forget my philosophy of uh, creation and evolution. But I don't think we are here to create truly artificial life. Now, 
biologically, we can create artificial livers, artificial hearts, we can do stem celling. Biologically, on, on the engineering side, believe me, I've been involved in many things. That's not artificial life. That's just like you can say your fingernail cuts off and you grow back. Cut off your arm, well, it might not grow back. So I'll leave that to all the doctors in the room. But thank you for listening to me. So I was I was just trying to find out why you connect it to the uh, beginning stages uh, of life uh, before it was when a cell was just like one cell and didn't have uh, uh, multi facets to it. Uh, I'm sure you've already said it, but I, I think I might have missed it. Well, the beginning, the beginning. No, I'm sorry. Uh, not, one can not, go back. not you. I was talking to to the the person who's given this our guest yeah thank oh, you sorry. thank you jake yeah our, our we're trying to bring um friends up from the audience to address our guest with questions we're so fortunate to have him here and so room is for for listening to our guest's presentation and also to ask questions of our guests it's not our each of our personal rooms so thank you so much jake and kuhui that was a question for you thank, thank you so much uh uh, I'm enjoyed uh, listening to uh, uh, wonderful talks. Uh, I can't uh, listen in an uh, academic uh, conference. I I really enjoy. Uh, so, what what we when I what should I uh, answer to? I was uh, wondering why you connect mm. it. What is similar to this cell uh, that uh, makes you think it has something to do with uh, original cell biology, like what before cells had multifacets to them? You mean you're asking uh, why? What does this cell do that makes you think it is? Uh, like the cells that were three billion years ago, I'm just trying to connect why uh, the, there was the connection to cells. Uh, so, so the discovery here is that bacteria organize themselves as kind of a multicellular organism, and this was not recorded ever before. And we are talking about how that comes, like which environmental factors. Mm -hmm. um, could um, produce uh, okay. this the, behavior. Uh, so please, the, yeah. uh, this is uh, uh, happening uh, in that cave uh, now. Uh, the uh, whole process of mast cell uh, organism. But uh, I was surprised at the uh, situation of the research about uh, the origin of multicellularity. And uh, so this example uh, might uh, fill uh, the gap uh, and lacking of our knowledge about the origin of life, uh, particularly uh, the process, how uh, ancestral single cell uh, can behave and uh, uh, come together and form a clump and uh, evolve to a multicellularity 
uh, we can we can recognize today. Uh, the there is uh, um, some we we can find several uh, marine cell uh, organisms, but it's already uh, completed and already uh, perfectly uh, organized organism. But we have almost uh, uh, no data about how they evolved. So this is uh, uh, one uh, example uh, to fill the gap uh, about uh, how an ancestral cell, single cellular organism uh, can evolve, can evolve to the multicellular form. Well, with all due respect, if they took in nutrients and they took on a process and they had waste products and they multiplied, that's the simple biology that every high school student learns about being I'm an sorry, organism. but um, you're not okay. understanding the point of the talk, and I invite you to read the article yeah. or... Um, or um, so, yeah, maybe so, you read so, the article first. <laughs> so what? You, what? So my, my my question again. Sorry to take over, but I'm I'm trying to grasp it. So these cells act as though they're multicellular. Like these cells can come together as as though they're one body. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. And uh, on oh, the wow. way, on the way to multicellular form. Wow. Yeah, what's interesting, an interesting, you know, point about this is that, um, and in what would be critical to show that it is acting uh, as a sort of proto-organism, is that as the colony grows, that the cells would differentiate and serve a function for the whole that would be distinct, as opposed to continuing to be individual cells that act randomly and according to their just their own life cycle um, that you would get uh, differentiation across spatial domains that would have distinct function to complete the life cycle that would at least indicate that it's along the lines of acting more in an organism capacity i would think and it's fascinating um, to see such a such an example documented yes yes yeah so so when it when it does make uh one specific body like when you said that it sort of pushes uh it protrudes from the mat um what is what is the what is the thing like the the wall uh that that uh, is formed like you know how cells have cell walls uh, and that separates them from other cells and then organisms have you know skin and that separates them from other things um and is it is it possible for this thing to just like appear and then disappear and then the cells that were inside of it are still alive and can do that again we are talking about prokaryote please read the article first Okay, my bad. <laughs> so it's about bacteria, right? Yeah, bacteria. Um, it's even in the title, a new type of multicellular bacteria. bacteria. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, the title of the room. Um, this is the bathroom, yes. But that, but that the, yeah, the, um, when it goes into the second phase of its life cycle and starts ejecting, mm -hmm. there's a, you know, a regional, regionally specific uh, place where that, you know, the, it ejects the new daughter cells into the environment. It's not, uh, you know, it's not every cell for themselves that just continues to replicate into a mass, but there's a, there's an organization to it. Oh, that's the answer to my question. That's exactly right. What I was questioning. So that's, I mean, that's interesting how that organization is, mm. is encoded and it is, and it manifests through a collective behavior mm. that is, that is not, a, you know, an individual self's behavior. It's, it's, it's a collective and right. it's uh, spatially and regionally specific. Yes. Corrective behavior. And also, um, the form of the behavior is also really interesting um, that you described in the paper um, that it's um, like a liquid crystal, like the properties of this layered structure colony behaves like a nomadic liquid crystal. Mm -hmm. um, that's really fascinating to me. And is there like, could you maybe explain for the audience, do you think it has um, properties to be, to be organized that way that yeah. I'm a um, pure, is very efficient or, you yeah. I'm a pure biologist, so <clears throat> uh, I took a picture uh, of uh, pattern, geometric pattern. I input the uh, image into uh, Google search, Google image search. And in a second, uh, I hit uh, many similar uh, pattern that suggest it's called uh, a nematic liquid crystal. And I didn't know, I have never heard uh, the term nematic. So I made a phone call to one of my friends in chemistry field. And uh, he, uh, I asked him, uh, what's nematic, what, what, the, what it means. And he uh, gave me uh, some advices about the liquid crystal. And so uh, I'm not sure, but uh, uh, some people pointed out in the case of ordinary, uh, usual liquid crystal, uh, molecules, the shape of the unit molecule is uh, constant in size. Uh, but in this case, uh, we, as we observe, the cell shape changes its long diameter uh, moment by moment. So I guess uh, this form of liquid crystal-like pattern uh, needs a new model. And as, a, as some colleague uh, pointed out to me and asked, now I asked me, uh, uh, we should uh, study and construct uh, a new model about this 
バカン Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you so much for that answer. Thank you. The liquid crystal makes me think that it might have something to do with the,、uh, the, you said it was, I forget the name of the type of material that it was in.、Uh, I want to say calcite, but I don't think that's what you said.、Um, do you think it has something to do with, with that? Like it's taking on the mineral? Uh, from its surrounding, and that may be the,、uh, the thing that's pushing it to, to, to do something. Do you mean、uh, association with uh, uh, calcite mineral? Yeah. Oh,、uh, are you a microbiologist? <laughs> no, no, I'm just a regular fellow,、uh, a curious mind.、Uh, that's pretty much it. There is a、uh, field of biomineralization. Oops, sorry about that. And, this.、Uh, sorry, I'm washing dishes. Sorry. <laughs> That's easy. Biomineralization. And uh, uh, I didn't mention、uh, this in the article because、uh, space is limited, but uh, the evidence uh, that, uh, that I Uh, but I w a n t to, I got,、uh, I didn't mention in the article is、uh, this species has、uh, a strong ability to crystallize minerals. And、uh, I didn't publish this、uh, because of insufficient data for publication. But、uh, I believe.、Uh, This species uh, crystallize uh, minerals on calcite、uh, wall and uh, form uh, calcium oxalate.、Uh, due to its specific shape of a crystal. So,、uh, and the calcium oxalate、uh, crystal formation is a signature feature of. Limestone cave associated bacteria such as s t r o p t o m y c e s which is uh, most uh, studied uh, limestone cave uh, bacteria. So, uh, yes, uh, this species uh, might have evolved uh, in association with uh, calcite uh, mineral. Uh, I think it's a Interesting, but it's another,、uh, will be another research. Yes. Have you had a chance to put,、uh, to expose it to other minerals、um, like, um, uh, um, it slips my mind. I,、um, it, yeah, yeah. I, it's in cal like calcopyrite yeah, has, uh, has yeah, the, yeah. the pyrite.、Uh, I tried, I once I tried to submerge this colony in a dense、uh, calcium solution and、uh, I mimic,、uh, try to mimic、uh, calcite wall condition. Yes. And the other mineral I haven't yet tried. Yes.
pyrite that sounds interesting yes uh, yeah, I, I no. what, go ahead oh i was just gonna you know some conjecture and speculation here um if you know the pneumatic crystal like phase is formed by the elongation of each of the cells but one environmental consequence might you know might be that the channels will form in between those layers and in a calcium rich environment um, it's curious if the channels if the individual cells are contributing calcium to the channels would there would there be a calcium gradient that would maximize in the center oh. and induce the function of because uh, the ejection seemed to come from the center it'd be curious to get the uh, the calcium um, distribution across the colony and and see whether there's a particular gradient and perhaps it's calcium that's signaling yeah well thank you for wonderful comments yeah yeah calcium uh, might be involved in the uh, behavior yes um you might try cyanide I, too oh, like the, for the calcopyrite you'd have cyanide within it within the the sulfide uh, uh i know that's a terribly terrible for us but it does it does have a lot of uh, manipulation uh, properties to it thank you Jake thank you Jake I think um, Katarina was trying to say something so sorry oh no 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 please uh, please please okay. go ahead and sorry. answer then I wanted to, very happy, <laughs> to check happy to take uh, such a wonderful uh, advice yeah and the bat uh, unfortunately, I, re I left my laboratory. Now I work for another project. Uh, so I don't study now. So I miss so much my research activity. Oh. <laughs> so if, if someone, audience, uh, want to let me continue this study, please contact me and please offer me uh, such a position for research. Uh, uh, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, we wish <laughs> we have a lot of projects here in Science Society that we want to find funding. Now for I, I work for the <laughs> project, uh, educational project. I start up a new college in Bangkok, Thailand, and I kind of manage uh, starting up a Japanese style education for engineers. Uh, it's a, a very very important uh, project, and I I work for I work for uh, this uh, Thai Thai government uh, for two years, uh, but uh, now I can't study. Uh, uh, I have many uh, online meeting with uh, office officers, um, but uh, uh, yeah, I. Uh, I will be back uh, to research. Uh, research. I understand. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like getting paid for a wonderful hobby, right? Uh, to do research. Um, yeah, I wanted to check with you your time. Okay. Um, if you still have time, or if you need to go.
because I know it's morning for you. You probably have yeah, yeah, yeah. much work to do. So I, I, I wanted to. I, I took off uh, time uh, in the morning today. So. Oh, great. Yeah, if you still have a few minutes, we for sure have more questions. But if you need to go, please let us know. 10.30. So I, I have a little time, uh, 30 minutes, yeah. and I have to go to okay. the office. Uh, not long. Okay. Yeah. Well, and thank you for taking off the time to speak <laughs> with us. It's an honor. Thank you. And um, I see... Oh. I'm sorry, there's a lag. I keep interrupting you. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> oh. um, uh, welcome, Yukihiro. Um, Yuki sorry for saying your name wrong. And um, did you have a question or comment? Uh, no, no, no. Um, I have been just listening about this uh, di dialogue, uh, communication. Yeah, and I'm not a, a specialist in in this field, um, multi or something. Yeah, uh, but but um, so somehow I come up to the speaker. Thank you. We mm. appreciate having you. Thank you for coming. And yeah, uh, uh, Kate. Thank you so uh, sorry, sorry, Katarina. Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you, Yukihiro, and thank you for your comments in the chat. It's so special to have all of the guests who are here. Ah, yeah, and yeah. As wonderful as it is. Thank you very much. Uh, th thanks for mentioning about it. Uh, I'm not a, a specialist about uh, a topic for today. One of those who are so much influenced by Carl Sagan's Cosmos which was also popular in Japan in mid 1980s and early eight early no, sorry mid 1980s and at IT and early 90s it's a great example of how we never know what the different things are that we will connect over because Kuhui, you mentioned Cosmos and you know, Dr. Carl Sagan and then Yukihiro, you know, has um, association with that as well. And me too, and probably other people in the audience. So it's, it's just wonderful to see all the ways that mm -hmm. we connect through science. So thank you. Yeah, um, Carl Sagan's book uh, translated into Japanese language. That's been and uh, also uh, centered in the I, I'm sorry, I think you're breaking up in between. Oh, sorry, now you're back. Ah, sorry. The Carl Sagan's Cosmos translated in Japanese, Japanese language, uh, uh, shelved in the all small uh, local Japanese high school, mm -hmm. uh, junior high school, elementary schools, in the libraries. Yeah. Uh, but by that time, I was also one of those uh, children who was influenced. Now we can watch back. Yeah, thank you. It's from Carl Sagan that we all learned how to say billions and billions. 
That's, I think that's everyone's favorite quote of, from him. That's right. And um, Kate, welcome. You have, I think, the last question. So please go ahead. Hi, thank you all. Uh, really good discussion. I think my question goes more towards the foundational aspects of storytelling in that we see new scientific research coming out, but that is not always translated in terms of not only the media, but in terms of the everyday person. So in your opinion, Dr. Mizuno, how, how do we communicate this? How do we make, how do we translate this into a storytelling narrative? And also within that vein, there has been new research coming out of Australia that tells us actually that pessimistic uh, research or storytelling specifically within the sustainability space of climate change speech has led to more empathy and more action. Whereas right now we are focused on more positive storytelling. And so I'm curious in your perspective, how, how do we navigate that space? How do we communicate this outside the science, scientific concept and also within a very diverse world that leads to lasting change? Uh, thank you for uh, asking me. The, your question is about uh, how uh, good science material uh, can be uh, transfer to uh, the people, uh, particularly uh, kids uh, who can understand that in their own language, right? Is my understanding correct? <laughs> Yeah, I think my question goes more towards how do we navigate the storytelling? Navigate. Yeah, how do we how do we navigate that from the scientific community yeah. beyond the media towards the individual perspective? Individual perspective beyond media, beyond media. I would like to contribute, if I may. Yes. Please go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's so we have here our scientist, our researcher, and we all have our different jobs or um, affinities or passions in life mm -hmm. that we explore. And so Kuwait, you have bestowed upon us this gift of your research and your passion. I work in arts and science education, and it would be, um, wait, Dr. Shaw, <laughs> Dr. Shaw's doing some dishes too, maybe. Um, you know, for me, I, I might be the one to take and interpret this for students in a culturally sensitive way. And so Kuwait has come here as, as, as storyteller within, within science, and also, I don't know if you were here earlier, and he was talking about his, his path um, to this research and, and interests of, that he had. So I would say, Kate, I don't, I'm not trying to answer your, your question that Kate has asked you, but, but I also want to just remind um, people who are here, you know, what exactly are you asking of our guests to answer? It's, 
you know, he's come here specifically within this science realm, which also extends wherever we allow it to. So that's part of what we're doing here in Science Society is providing, um, trying to provide access for everybody to come and listen. And, and so that's how, that's how Kuwait is doing that through, through this app right now, is to make this science accessible. Wow, thank you so much. Yeah, I think that was a beautiful um, comment <laughs> and discussion in the end. Um, yeah, and thank you so much for coming here um, again. Um, I that's you know that's exactly our mission, and Kohei was uh, so friendly to come here, and his time and take off time of work to uh, share his research in a way that we could all kind of uh, follow even if you were not microbiologist like I'm not but and um, and also everyone here that helps with this club like Victoria Katie Serena Dr. Shah you know this team of wonderful people always come here and support and um, help with you know this so um thank you to all of you to do exact this and um we wish you a wonderful day Kohei, and wonderful holidays and maybe you can come back one day and hopefully we will find you a way to to so come back thank to you. basic research <laughs> thank you so much invite me and uh, also introduce uh, this wonderful place i think it's a uh, wonderful place to yeah uh, communicate and uh, uh, as uh, as you say uh, we need this kind of place to uh, deliver uh, a specific uh, scientific topic to the people with other background and yes that's uh, the, I understand that's the uh, uh, science Society here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I also want to thank you. And um, just in the sentiment that, that Kate mentioned about storytelling, mm. one takeaway from, from this and, you know, to put a spin on it is, you know, what, just how, how did the first cells learn to work together? Mm. And what is the origin of collaborative behavior as an advantage in survival? I mean, it's a kind of an interesting take, but, but, but thank you. Thank you for talking. Thank you so much. Well, wonderful. Um, we, um, yeah, thank you and have a wonderful day. This was a really interesting discussion. Your work is is really um, amazing and um, if you like discussions like this everyone follow the club we will have more discussions like this um, also this week we'll have for sure Dr. Ginsenberg talking about uh, Hipparchus star catalog revealed it uh, will be a really interesting discussion about his research and then Dr. Eisen will come uh, talking about microbiota and how they pr uh, promote social behavior 
through microglia, Serena. You have to be there for that one. It's on Friday. <laughs> then on Saturday, um, hopefully Dr. Kabuku uh, will talk about research shows how complex prehistoric uh, like how complex prehistoric cuisine was through archaeology findings. So Serena, maybe your <laughs> your boyfriend will come because uh, that, <laughs> it, I thought it was really interesting. They they found like really prehistoric remains of like food stuff and found that they had quite complex um, recipes. Apparently. Oh, cool. I just elbowed to the right. <laughs> <laughs> and then on Monday, Dr. Young will come from UC uh, Davis and talk about learned lensless uh, 3D camera. Um, yeah, how he created a 3D camera without a lens through, uh, through uh, interesting technology he developed. And that will be the last room for this year. And then we will have many more rooms in January again. We already have a pretty uh, full schedule until uh, end of January. And um, so, yeah, I hope I hear you all back soon. And thank you, everyone. And a special thank you to you, uh, Dr. Koe Mizuno. And uh, I hope you stay in touch. Thank you so much. Okay, I'll close the room in three, two, one. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.